listening to the White Oak Houston podcast, the official podcast of White Oak Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. White Oak exists to help people come alive to the wonder of the gospel and fully follow Jesus. For more information, please visit us online at whiteoakchurch.net. What's up, guys? Welcome to the White Oak Houston podcast. This is Pastor James, and with me is Pastor John. And uh, this is just a weekly podcast that we put out where we talk about uh, all kinds of things, from the Bible to faith to politics to everyday life, um, in a way that we can't really do on Sunday morning, either because we don't have the time or it's not the right platform. And so uh, we're going to talk about something today that is uh, controversial, because uh, it has to do with politics, because we know everything in politics is controversial these days. And uh, it has to do with Vice President. Mike Pence speaking at the Southern Baptist, annual Southern Baptist Convention. And so there was some controversy, some outrage surrounding this, both inside the convention uh, by Southern Baptists, but also outside the convention by uh, the media, obviously. And so, uh, Pastor John, tell us what, what happened, what was the outrage? Yeah, so the um, SBC, which is the Christian tradition denomination that we are a part of, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, um, has an annual meeting like most traditions do, whether you're Methodist, Lutheran, they have like usually like an annual get together big meeting where they look at the past and celebrate the future and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so we have ours and it was in Dallas this year. And um, usually it's just supposed to talk about how things are going, what the future is, what we need to focus on, um, how are we going to reach this nation or this world, all that kind of stuff, you know, real just focus on the Great Commission in a lot of ways. Um, and somehow, um, one of the main speakers ended up being, um, vice president Mike Pence. And, uh, I think this was, um, kind of controversial just in general, because I know for a long time, we've tried to get away from the fact that we've, we, I think in the past we're too into politics and two on one side of the aisle. And so I know they've been trying to get away from that. Um, and so to be trying to get away from that and to not be as political and then to invite the vice president of maybe one of the most controversial presidents of all time um, in being Donald, Donald J. Trump, um, uh, it just seems like a horrible idea at the outset, right? Just you know. to see his face on the stage is a bad idea. Um, but then he gets up there and talks and what made it really bad, and I think where the word outrage came in, was he just – just bragged on the president, bragged on the administration. It, it just sounded like a political speech with a little Christian flavor thrown in there. Mm. And um, it was just honestly a disgrace across the board. And, um, you know, I'm sure Mike Pence is a nice guy, but, you know, I think the fact that if he's supposedly a, a Christian godly guy like he says he is, then you would think that when he shows up to a convention like this, he knows the focus needs to be on Jesus Christ. And, and if anything, he should see himself as being qualified to be up there, not because he's the vice president, um, but because he's a Christian man of God, hopefully active in his church and all that kind of stuff. So he just basically got up there and made it very political and talked about, tried to bring together kind of what we're doing, what the Trump administration is doing and how those work together and how we're all on the same page. And um, considering the other things that the administration has done, it just seemed like a, not a good move to kind of overlook those things. And then to make it just to, to totally make it a complete dumpster fire, he closes with, um, I think it was like, make America great again. And he's like, and to borrow a phrase, let's make America great again. And people are clapping. And I could picture him like put on the hat. Yeah, you know? yeah, he should have, right? He rips open his shirt and it's like just like a shirt, you know? Trump comes out on the yeah, background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but it just, he wasn't even hiding it. And so I think that if there was any way to say that maybe he was just trying to kind of build a bridge, it, when he said that, knowing that statement is controversial, 
it just shows a lack of awareness for what's really going on in the church. And if he's not aware enough of what's going on, um, then he shouldn't be up there. I agree. I mean, I think it was a bad move on a lot of, I'll just say it was an unwise move on a lot of levels. And to make it worse, he, he opens up the speech by saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative, and I'm a Republican in that order. And so I think it sort of set the tone of what he was going to be talking about. Uh, but I think it's about just... three points. <laughs> It's just bad on a lot of levels, you know. I think the SBC probably should not have invited him to be a speaker, um, and he probably should not have accepted. I think if Mike Pence is a member of a Southern Baptist church, which I believe he is, he has every right to go to that convention, be a part of it, just as you and I would, uh, to go be a part of it, be a voice in there. But to use um, his sort of uh, political platform to to gain him a voice in what should have been a very apolitical, non-political convention of believers talking about Christ and what he wants for us in the world that I just think it was bad on a spiritual level and it's just bad optics you know for for the Southern Baptist Convention uh, so you found a really cool quote that I want to talk about a little bit by a Christian writer uh, and thinker named Jonathan Lehman he said politicians should be in the pew not the pulpit why do you like this quote well because it's amazing first of all but second of all it's one of those things where to me that almost hits the nail on the head as to what's wrong here um, I think that in the in the church we have a different qualification for who is successful um, and who gets a voice, right? Mm. And we're about love and godliness and holiness and about the Great Commission and missions and discipleship and loving our neighbor. We're not about worldly success and power. And I think one of the problems that we often have is, and I I see this sometimes in churches and definitely more kind of like conventions and organizations where it becomes more of like an organization, if you will, like someone's earthly success then somehow gets them a spiritual voice. So I'm really rich or I have a successful business or I'm a politician or I've got – I'm a celebrity, right? And those things are not bad inherently. They can be good or bad. But the idea that just being one of those things gets you a platform and anything spiritual is wrong because I don't think Jesus really values that, you know? And so I'm not even saying there could not have been a way in which Mike Pence couldn't have spoken that it would have been okay, but he would have had to leave your politics on the side, talk about your involvement in your church and who you're with and, and what God wants to do and come from the Word of God, like basically be a Bible-believing Christian, Right. And so I think what this just says is that just, just because you're a politician or anything does not mean that when you walk into the church, you get preferential treatment or that you get more of a voice. And oftentimes in churches, you find that where a guy's good at business stuff, right? He might not have prayed in 20 years, right? But he's good at organizing a business, so we put him on the administration team or whatever, right. or making the executive pastor or something, right? And you, you can have, like, like, literally, it's good to have cer- certain kinds of success in the world, but in terms of your standing in the church, that means nothing. It's all about how are you with the Lord? Are you loving people? All that kind of stuff. So what that just means is that literally if Donald Trump says he's really a Christian, if Mike Pence is really a Christian, they need to be in the pew learning every single week. They need to be like receiving biblical preaching. They need to be in small groups. They need to be under authority, in accountability, in community. I mean, they don't get an exemption because they've got some kind of worldly title, you know? And I think that what this shows is that the SBC still has some room to grow because the fact that, like, they let this guy get up there shows they still are too, you know, starstruck with, oh, my gosh, he's the vice president, you know. And, and you can honor that without giving them a voice in what we're supposed to be doing. And so to me what it just means is that no matter who you are, what you've done, we've got a totally different criteria for judging people and seeing them as worthy to lead. 
and Mike Pence, based on what he said, um, was not qualified to lead that convention, in my opinion, because he was not focused on what he should have been focused on. Oh, yeah, I love how you talk about it doesn't translate. I mean, I, I'm a pretty good organizer, but it doesn't mean I should play in the NBA, right? You know, it's just, it's just apples and oranges there. And I think even, you mentioned this before, the thought of like a Christian pastor coming into the White House during some... In, or during some some event, and and obviously he can give the prayer, and that happens a lot. But to have him use it as a platform for, you know, for Christian Christians, you know, it just doesn't translate. Yeah, yet yeah. that's exactly what's yeah, happening yeah. here. It's like it's like I, I get invited to speak at some like you know like maybe city council something as a pastor in the community. And I'm like you know I, I get up there and I'm like you know here at Waddock we we've gone from you know 95 to 120 people in small groups. You know, and it's like what, what are you doing? You know. And so, I, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, when they bring us in, we just pray for the food, you know? And we, we, we give them a platform, and he's talking about, like, you know, he's, he's giving his, like, whole agenda, stump speech. So, yeah, it just, it just, once again, was a horrible idea, and I think both on the SBC leadership and Mike Pence. Yeah, and just to go back to the quote real quick, politicians belong in the pew, not the pulpit. I mean, the church transcends politics, transcends yeah. governments. And that's what Jesus was was doing. When he came and said, I'm ushering in a new kingdom, he, he, he wasn't talking about the political realm or an earthly kingdom. He was talking about a spiritual kingdom. And yeah. so uh, the gospel, the kingdom, Jesus is always going to trump politics. And yet uh, here we have uh, what, what seems to the world as if we are connected to a particular party, and that's just not right. So yeah. so let's back it up. Let's, let's get a little bit bigger a little bit as we talk about this mingling of church and politics. Politics. Let's dive into that. So, so what are some ways that the church and the government, or church and the state, should intersect, should work together? Because there are some good ways, right? Yeah, there are. Um, and I think, obviously, I know you've mentioned this a lot about how you know you're proud to be American. I'm proud to be an American. It's one of those things where like we have a lot of freedoms here, and we want to keep it that way, right? So this is a good country in a lot of ways, um, and and we're glad to be here. Um, I think a few things, number one, uphold general order. And so obviously, like I said, we don't want to, I don't want to be the police commissioner. I've actually been watching Blue Buds, but that's like Meat House's new show is watch Blue Bloods all the time. I love that show, man. Netflix? Uh, Netflix. It's um, Tom Selleck is the police commissioner. It's so money. It's really good. Anyway, um, but like, I mean, it's, I mean, I know it's just a TV show, but it's an intense job. I can't imagine, you know? And so I think things like that, uh, general order, even certain kinds of, you know, kind of like healthcare and things like that, that the government kind of oversees or whatever, um, or is involved in to some degree in regulating, um, you know, obviously that, that's not what really what we're called to do. Um, and so I think common order and decency is a good thing that we should work together. We should both say, hey, you shouldn't kill people and hey, there is justice, right? Um, I would also say things like common decency. I think just being kind, being good people. Um, and then lastly, I think we should, the main thing I think is we should both protect the right of the other to do its job, right? So the government creates order. And so we should not be getting up in the pulpit and saying, man, forget the government, don't pay your taxes. Like, I mean, we, we should not be downing the government. We should say, look, this is what the government does. It creates general order, which is good and biblical. Um, and so we should, insofar as it does not contradict with our faith, we should support that. We, we need to not get involved in terms of getting in the way of them doing those things, right? Um, and in the same way that the state or the, the, the government should protect the churches and, and, or, or any faith's right to basically believe what it believes, right or wrong, right? So there should be freedom of belief. 
And so they should protect our right to believe what we believe. And in the places in which we disagree, we should realize that we're different and that's okay, right? So I know obviously a lot of times people point out the whole gay marriage thing, right? So obviously Orthodox Christian thinking is different than a lot of the political or cultural sentiment right now, right? But we should both be able to to live out those things and to believe what we believe and preach what we believe um, without the other coming and saying, you need to change. And so I think that the church is responsible for overseeing the spiritual and maybe even philosophical well-being of the people, um, and the government should protect our right to do that. So we should work together to protect the other's rights. Yeah. You know, if we're honest, um, the church has not been great on this issue uh, throughout the past couple thousand years, uh, just its relationship with states and governments. And I think that God uh, biblically intended for us to work together, like you were saying, like we should be partners and friends, but I think the problem is we've, we've been married in a lot of ways, and that's, that's not what God has, has designed. And I do think that, you know, even think back to John the Baptist, he says that man cannot receive anything except what is given to him by God. And I do think that God has, has given certain uh, realms to the church. The church should speak with spiritual authority. It should speak into good doctrine. It should speak into the gospel. And, and, and God has given the government a, a realm to, to maintain order and different things like that. And, and different Christian thinkers like uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin have explored those things, and they didn't get it perfectly. But I do think that they were onto something and, and saying, man, God really has delegated some different responsibilities to these two different entities. And the problem is when you start merging them in the wrong way, then that's really where we run into a lot of trouble. So on that note, uh, we talked about some ways in which we, the church and, and, and the government should partner. What are the ways in which we get it wrong? Where are we yeah. partnered? Where have we mingled in ways that we shouldn't? Yeah. I think the church and the government should not intersect when it comes to um, proper doctrine in terms of the church. And so um, the, the political government should not be having any influence in what we believe because what we believe is based on the word of God, right? So when we decide what we believe and what we do, the only thing that really matters is God, who created the world, who created the order of the world, who created us, who's put us here for a reason and a purpose and a mission. And so God sets morality because he created everything. And so the church should not be trying to influence what we believe. And so if they disagree with what we're believing or teaching, they should not seek to interfere with us in that, right? We should be, you know, Baptists are huge on the separation of church and state, probably of anybody else. We want people to have the freedom to believe whatever they want because we don't force religion on anybody, Right. We want to compel you, but it's your choice. Um, and, so, and so because we're not forcing people like that, the government should easily be able to allow us to believe what we believe because we're not going to force people, right? It's one thing if we're forcing people and they've got to step in and make it fair, but like we're literally just saying we, we throw it out there and some people buy into it, some people don't, right? And so to me, that should be a non-threat to the government because you know if what they're saying is right, people will say that. And if what we're saying is right, people will say that in the moments in which we disagree. So the government should not be trying to influence what the church believes as it changes its opinion on things. Um, but the other thing on the other side is we should not be giving the majority of our time to trying to influence legislation. And I know some people will disagree with that, but I just don't think legislating our morality has any spiritual plus usually, right? There are maybe some issues where it does, um, but I think at the end of the day, the church has been too political in the past. And I think that's turning against us now, right? They're saying, okay, well, if, if you wanted to control popular sentiment, you know, well, now when it turns against you, you're screwed because, you know, they're coming against you now. You were okay with it then, but not now, right? Mm. So I just think that we should not be giving the majority of our time trying to control legislation, which we preach in the gospel, making disciples, living locally, loving people, and, you know, leave the big picture to the government insofar as it does not contradict with what we believe.
Yeah, um, I, I do think there have been generations in the past that have seen or that saw some success in, in what you what you would call legislating morality. And uh, I, I just think these days that we've just seen how that has backfired. And on any time, I think the church has taken a political stance, like the government and the society have taken the opposite, and they've won out from a political standpoint, you know. And so I, I do think that uh, more and more our generation is getting disillusioned with the fact that you know, are really coming back in line with Scripture and saying we're a remnant, we're, we're exiles, we, we have no political power as the people of God, and that's how it's been for, for much of Christian history, much of the history of the people of God. And, and so I think on that note, the Bible does call us um, to, to help our neighbor, to help uh, our brother and our sister. And I think far too often, because of platforms like social media, we, we sometimes are are disillusioned or illusioned into thinking that we have more power than we actually have. And so we think if we share an article about something that's happened, a New York, New York Times article about something that's happening in another part of the country, that that somehow has like changed things. But in reality, I think it's sort of a false false illusion. But we're really called to, to help our neighbor. And I can think of literally people in our church community who are going through problems right now, and other people in our community have stepped up to help them. And I think that's really a, a clearer and better picture of the gospel than some of these other things. Yeah, I think, and I'm sure we'll do a podcast on this down the road. Road, but just that I think that in our generation, what we're going to probably discover, hopefully sooner rather than later, is that um, people are more important than issues and causes. And um, I think sometimes we can get so big picture focused that we, we miss real people and we don't end up actually helping anybody individually. And so I, I think once again, I mean, even the Internet, it's all such a new technology and we, we just don't realize how. We've never sat down and thought about how it's impacting us. We've just kind of, kind of blindly followed along and thought, well, if I share something that that's you know I've done something good, and so like I love like your famous saying of you know um, contribute more than your opinion. I love that, <laughs> um, and that's a lot of what social media is. It's a lot of opinions and thoughts, which are good, right? Like, I mean, and you should share your thoughts. I mean, you should share what's true on there. Um, you should make awareness, but um, that is less important than actually helping somebody, and so. You know, if you're not actually helping a homeless person or helping uh, restore a marriage or, you know, if you live in Houston, for example, there's a lot of immigrants you can love. If that's something you are truly passionate about um, and want to stand for, there's a lot of people you can actually help, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've got some people in our church, obviously, who are wa- awaiting status to become official Americans, you know? Um, and we've seen what that work does and try to help them in the meantime because it's hard to get a job when that's going on or whatever. Um, and so, but, but once again, the, the church is a great place that makes these things real and not just hypothetical. And so I think that that's where, you know, the church really comes in is because really we are the ground troops for change in the world. And so, you know, once again, yeah, you can have a big political platform, you can know how to win an election and, and build a campaign. But, you know, I, I think, I think Mike Pence, I think it would have been a lot more beneficial if he showed out maybe he's a deacon in his church and he serves and this is where I lead and all that kind of stuff because we would know that he's really not just shaping policy but real human lives. And so I think at the end of the day, you can create awareness, you can share your opinion, um, but the most important thing you can do is to actually help somebody with a real need around you and really minister to somebody. Um, because sometimes when we create awareness, we're just trying to abdicate responsibility to somebody else. You know, you can call your senator, that's cool, um, but um, call your neighbor too. Yeah, I'm just thinking of that verse, I believe in First John, where it says, love not just in word, but in like action and deed, you know, and I think that really defines a, a biblical uh, Christianity, you know, so definitely 
uh, God's given us the right, or, or at least our country's given us the right to, to vote on issues, and we should certainly do that as private citizens, but recognize that a true change comes through gospel transformation. Uh, thank you so much, John, uh, for sharing uh, some exhortation to us and some of your thoughts. And uh, as always, if you have uh, any questions or, or want to hear um, about any topic under the sun, uh, we would love to talk about that. Uh, you can email us at info at whiteoakchurch.net, and we would love to cover that on a future podcast. In the meantime, uh, I love you guys. Uh, know that we are praying for you.